I think in my younger years, I was doing a lot of thinking and obviously I talked to myself a lot of doing a lot of things. Oh, I'm not this, I'm not that, I can't do this. Just stop that. Try to kill that voice and just do. And by doing, you're already creating and you're some type of artist and no one can take that away from you. Welcome to Works in Process, a series of conversations where I talk to creative individuals about their latest projects. I'm George Garrastegui. This episode's guest is Lisa Pertoso. She's a design facilitator, which means she helps individuals, teams, and organizations develop leadership and communication skills. And she's also a writer. She's taken her blog, 100 First Dates, and has now turned that into a memoir. I talked to her more about that, and that's where episode begins. So let's get into it and hear about her process. Not like we need any icebreaker questions, but I kind of wanted to do this thing in the beginning. So it's just this or that, okay. right? Coffee or tea? Coffee. Toast or a bagel? That really depends. I can't be straight. Well, if you had to pick one. Toast. <laughs> <laughs> Rock or hip hop? Hip hop. Beatles or Rolling Stones? Beatles. Nas or Jay Z? Jay Z. East Coast, West Coast? East Coast, duh. Beer or wine? That's hard too, but probably beer. <laughs> so I gotta do it. It's stupid, right? But okay. Um, Important questions. <laughs> also, just kind of. Word association, what comes to your mind when you hear these words? Oh. Right? Um, creativity. Art. Design. Everything perfect. Nice. <laughs> Art. Um, Picasso. Mm. Um, business. Boring. Failure. Fun. Clients. <laughs> cool. Liar. <laughs> Could be. Uh, mistakes. Good. Tools. A wrench. Skills. Napoleon Dynamite. That is so good. <laughs> Space just comes to my mind. Oh, man. That's awesome. Um, opportunity. Mm, future. It's funny because that was the next word, future. Oh, my God. I can predict. Prediction. <laughs> <laughs> um, risk. Good. And process. Mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> like need it. Don't always want it. Right. You know. Since we're talking about stuff today, I just kind of want to get everybody. I have an understanding kind of where you come from, kind of what your origin story is. Take us on a quick journey from honestly on a point that you kind of want to. Okay. So school wise was I was on a traditional path, I'd say. So college, um, studied political science and sociology. It's like an um, interdepartmental major that I made up and minored in Mandarin Chinese because I studied abroad in China and loved it and was like, this is fun. Let me con continue to do that. Like it? Yeah. Uh, after college, did not want to get a real job, so went to live in China and teach English for a year. So really, that was an excuse to travel around because they just give you, they give you a visa and the teaching part. I mean, it was hard, but not really that hard. So then came to New York and really had no idea what I wanted to do job-wise. I, I didn't want 
something boring, corporate. But I feel like that's what I had to do. I don't, I don't know. I, I just had a few odd jobs through temp agencies. I knew I wanted to live in New York, and so I, knew, I needed some money to do it. So I didn't really care and tried a bunch of different things. Um, Where are you from? Connecticut. Cool. So not that far, but it, more of the country. So I knew I wanted to be in the city. Didn't care how I got there. Um, had a lot of weirdo odd jobs here or working for people that are weird. And um, did end up in the education business, I guess. So Kaplan Test Prep is, mm-hmm. I mean, technically, you know, education management. So I was doing behind the scenes program management there. It was really more customer service. That was interesting. So knew I didn't want to do that, but did that for a while. And then had this desire to go back to school for a master's. So this was, let's go back in time to the early 2000s when, you know, traditional degrees were cool. And, uh, and I was like, I definitely want to, you know, go deeper into some topic, but what? So I ended up choosing international relations. Specialized in human rights in Asia because li- from living in China, that really sparked my interest in human rights issues and that region of the world. And then wanted to change the world uh, through nonprofit work and started working for nonprofits, doing fundraising stuff. But that wasn't very inspiring day to day. So the mission is great and the, what the, the work that the organizations do, but my day to day work was not creative, not inspiring, not challenging. So really had, had a struggle with a few different jobs. So I wanted to go back into education, but not traditional education, because I didn't want to teach necessarily in front of a classroom. So what did that, I, but I didn't know what that was looking like. And that is actually how I found Hyper Island on LinkedIn randomly. I was like, this sounds cool. Like non-traditional experiential learning, digital mindset, international, had everything in one. Yeah, it does sound definitely cool. Yeah. I mean, visiting you at Hyper Island was was definitely an experience to kind of see how everything kind of works and behind the scenes. And I know we did a workshop there with a bunch of friends that we all knew to kind of make sure, I guess, stuff the stuff that you were putting out there actually resonated with people. But like, how long were you at Hyper Island? Uh, four years, which is the longest job I've ever been at, the longest time I've ever been at one job. And now I still freelance with them, so just so that's great. I think it's the best of both worlds. Yeah, you're still doing workshops and stuff with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. teaching classes and doing some content development. Yeah, and that was the job that really set me on the path of like, oh, I can be creative in the workspace, get paid for it, um, and I think that also helped me take on more creative projects on the side. Okay, so like, what kind of stuff did you start on the side? Was it did you start some of your stuff? from being at Hyper Island or did some of your ideas start before that? Well, something started during that. Mm-hmm. Um, the My own business that I'm running now started as a side little baby project, mm-hmm. um, experiential learning using tools from the improv space to help companies and, and people. Um, but the 100 First Dates project did start before. That was started 2010? Yeah, no. Right, it's yeah, 2010 after my breakup with... with yeah that bad man. Um, so I was doing that. So I was writing on the side, but like not taking it very seriously. And I think since then I realized it is a big part of my life and need to keep doing it. Okay. So hyper Island kind of like that, that good stepping stone to get you into this place or kind of, you were already starting to get into this place beforehand. I think it's all came together from a lot of different angles. So I grew a lot at hyper Island personally and professionally and so, and also I'm older. So all of that happened and it, and I, and that gave me a lot more confidence in my abilities. So I would talk to people 
oh, I'm thinking about writing this book based on my blog. And they're like, what's this blog? Oh my God, I like it. It should be a book. Like I felt more confident that people really believed what I had to offer is valuable. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely think meeting different people and working on a lot of different projects, you know, in the States and abroad at Hyper helped me believe I had something to offer. That's cool. So in 2010, Mm -hmm. you started this thing called 100 First Dates. And how did, what is that? And how did that even become (laughs) something? That is a blog was it's a retired blog but still still online. So it it was more of a project I think. So I broke up my boyfriend broke up with me in 2009 and it was really surprising. Did not expect it. Thought we were going to get married situation. So I went through a real personal struggle. Um you know, a little bit depressed, going through this post breakup grieving period. What the hell am I doing with my life? What makes me happy? And I tried a lot of new different things and one of those things was going back into the dating world and had these funny stories. And some of my friends said, you should write this down. And I've always liked to write. I'd always written on my own journaling. When I was a little kid, my mom has some, some fiction stories that I've created about some magical lands and princesses. Um, so I was always a writer, I guess. Um, but not really for the public. So it was, it was a good, it was a good way to process my days. It became a therapy for me and, a fun game. Yeah. I mean, uh, it seems interesting to have a hundred first dates on a blog and, and did people kind of look to it to kind of like wait to see you on a next date. I, I got that feedback from some people. I also got some really nice emails and notes from people that just said, thank you. Oh, I went through a breakup recently and I'm dating and it's hard. You know, you're, your stories are making me laugh and they're helping me get through this time. And I realize I'm not alone in these experiences that I'm having, which is really great to hear. And in writing down your experiences, were there any, was there a format you had to stick to or kind of was just free form? It started as a, as a questionnaire, like I was filling it out and, uh, you know, basic information name. Well, I always change the names, name, occupation, height, what do they do for work? Uh, maybe where we went for the date, did the, did he pay? And then some good quotes that he said, which were always tasty little nuggets. And then maybe some comments or not at all. Anyone that got to a second or third date, I did share with them this uh, blog and said, you know, if this becomes something serious, you can absolutely say you don't want to be written about or are you cool with it? And most people said they were cool with it. Did you get no's? I got one no, and he was a friend of mine, and I respected that. And then some people, most people were found it really fascinating. Oh, I want to read about it. Oh, what are these other people you've gone out with, or what are your other experiences? I did have someone that I dated for a bit who I really liked who said he was cool with it, and then it he seemed later on to not be cool with it, but didn't really tell me that and kind of just ghosted. And then, you know, I heard from a friend of his, oh, he thought that was weird. And I was like, okay, that's fair. But when I ask you up front and you say you love the idea and you think it's cool, um, maybe you should be honest. Right, right. Yeah. Definitely honesty is key. It is key. In all aspects of life, George. Very, 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 very <laughs> like, It's true. a good rule. You get to this point and and you have a timeline. You kind of say, I'm going to do 100 first dates. When you get to that point, do you feel that because maybe you didn't reach what you wanted to do, do you say, well, maybe it's 101 first dates? Do you? Oh, in terms of 
Yeah, keeping the project the pro- going, yeah, maybe? No, or- I think I was really ready. I was tired. I felt a little pressure on myself to keep dating and writing about it. And it was really good endpoint. Right. It's got to be tough to have four years of going on dates and chronicling and having to feel a little bit more analytical of why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, not really intentionally, but kind of scrutinizing people and kind of breaking them down to their name, occupation, number, did he pay, all that stuff like that. And probably a little bit more liberating to be like, after 100, it's kind of over. But your 100 one was kind of a big deal. It was picked up by... Um, yes, People Magazine. had a, They have a web show. Well, actually, I don't know if they still have it, but they had a web show called People Now that was a daily show. Um, and they picked up the contest. It was an Instagram contest to be my 100th date. So send in a really quick video. This is when Instagram's videos were, what are they, seven seconds or less or t- whatever they are now. Oh, right. Now you can put mine. your whole life story on there. Um, yeah. So we wanted guys to submit. I mean, that was hard because a lot of people don't want to put themselves out there. And I was anonymous for all of those years as a writer. And so we kept that as a theme. So the 100 First Dates video asking guys to submit, you didn't see my face. So nobody knew who they were possibly going to date. Correct. So that was part of the fun or risk, if you will. So I didn't really come out as the person who was 100 First Dates until the 100th date you know, interview on that show. Oh, on the show was the first time that yeah. people saw who actually was. Yeah, because I, I was also ready to come out, if you will, if you want to say that, because I was anonymous and I wasn't using my, I was using my middle name and no last name and I didn't show my photo or anything on the site. On the blog or yeah, anything Yeah, so the like whole that. time I always wanted to be anonymous, which is interesting because later on I, I didn't feel that need, but I did start it like that and kept it up. So was being anonymous an important part of that whole process? I think it was. Yes. Process wise. Yes. I also thought that it might hinder me meeting someone real if they knew or, you know, I don't know. I, I just, that, that was important to me in the beginning. So now go to meeting somebody real, mm-hmm. right? You're so the last post on your blog is that you met your current fiance, future husband. Yes. And was that because of all of the things that happened beforehand or just You've had four years of, of meeting really shitty people and, and now you can know how to weed out what you don't <laughs> like or do like. I think all of it leads up to that point. And I definitely didn't only meet shitty people. I met some great people who either we didn't click with each other uh, or some great people who I liked and didn't like me or liked me and I didn't like them. So it runs the gamut. I think I probably needed to have a lot of those experiences to be in the right place to meet Ruben at the time that we met, which was maybe six months after the dating project ended. I also was very upfront with him while we were texting uh, on Happen before we had our first date. You know, I did say I was a writer on the the profile and he said, what do you write? And I said, well, if you're interested, I have this blog. And because I thought at this point, this is me. This is part of me. You either love it or you don't. And he really liked it. He said, oh, I thought I really enjoyed your writing. I liked your voice. And then he thought, I really need to kick ass and plan a really good first date because you've been on so many dates, which I appreciated. Did he know about you before? I don't think so, no. no. So now that was, what, 2015, where at least, right? So why write a book now? Oh, that, that was a great interview question. I feel like I'm talking to Anderson Cooper. 
So right after the project, a lot of people approached me and said, oh, what are you going to do next? You should put it into a book. And I thought, well, I really want that to be meaningful for you know, my audience and me. And I didn't want it to just be the blog regurgitated because, I mean, you can read the blog. So what else could I share that isn't on there? And I think it was really great to have the space And yes, it's great that I met someone, so you can put a sort of happy ending on it, but that wasn't, it was more like, let me get distance from this, these experiences, and it's been really helpful. Also, I needed time to write a book, which I didn't have until this year, so I'd been saying it for a couple years, and finally, in 2017, I said, this is the year, it's now or never, and I carve out time to do it, you know, every week, so it was both time and mental space. Space from the project, or space from... Yeah, space from from the project really digesting it and saying, what did I learn? Cause I learned a lot in it and I did speak about that, but now like putting it, this is a chunk of, of time in my life. You know, what does it mean to me now, now that I'm not doing it? So what did you learn beyond the dating aspect and maybe what you really want and all these other things and what big picture did you, do you think you took away from it? I think one big picture aspect is what happiness means to me and what that can look like. And, you know, at some points in our lives, we think being happy equals getting X, Y, Z or having this or that. And when you don't have that, how do you still be happy? And also taught me a lot about self-leadership and not taking in other people's bad behavior or shit and taking it on myself. And I think that's something that we all learn as we get older. Um, how to manage your own emotions and your own reactions to things versus how other people are behaving and reacting, which is transferable, not just to going on dates, but being in a relationship and also, you know, going to work and working on teams and just interacting with humans in general, you know, managing my own expectations of situations and emotions. And by the end of the project, I definitely was doing that in a way that I wasn't earlier. And did you think you knew you understood that, during the process or you needed that time to kind of reflect towards the end. I started to understand it, but maybe not its full impact until now and how it's shown up in, in different ways in my life. So writing a book, right? Mm-hmm. Seems easy. Yeah. Super <laughs> easy. It's done. I just snapped my right? fingers. Or you're done, right? Yeah. What, what, what's the big deal? You had <laughs> three years since you ended this project. No. Um, what is your daily routine or weekly routine? Cause mm-hmm. you kind of said that you kind of carve out time to write. What does that mean? I'm f- that means I'm figuring it out. So I'm totally learning as I go because I wasn't sure how it would look. Could I do this every morning for a couple hours? Could I do this just on the weekends? And I've, I've tried a bunch of different things and I think it'll still be a process that's changing. But right now I carve out, well, in my calendar every day is, eight to 12. And it says writing block. Now I definitely don't do that, but what it means is I don't do other work and I don't, I don't do work work and I don't take meetings. I don't meet with people unless it's, I absolutely have to until afternoon. So it's cool because that space is available to me and it forces me to sometimes I, I write for an hour and then I, you know, go to real work or, you know, paid work or, I do take two to three hours and go to a cafe. So it's good to just have that block, whether I use it or not. Um, But what I'm seeing is that, yeah, I would say a couple days a week, I'm writing for two to three hours. 
And a lot of times I find myself when I haven't done it in a week where work has been really busy and it's the weekend and I definitely don't want to write. Whenever I don't want to write, I have to write something. And I've heard a lot of other writers say that, get the shit out. Like you have to write in order for something to be good, to come out of the shit. Because I don't feel inspired all the time, but you need to write to be inspired. Or I think for me, I need to do to then get inspired for then something good to come out of it. So is that just... You got to keep up the routine to make sure you don't lose momentum or it's regardless, I'm going to write something even if it's shit. I think it's both. Routine is really important. And then you have to adhere to the routine because, you know, when you're just setting it for yourself and there's no one yelling at you if you don't do it. And so I have a lot of inner dialogue, you know, oh, you're you need you need to write for two hours right now. And, you know, someone my other inside of my head saying, no, I don't, I don't have anything to write about. I'm not feeling inspired. So sometimes that's about changing environment. Instead of doing it here, I will leave the house, go to a cafe and say for this hour, this is all I'm doing. You know, no internet stuff, no email, no text messaging. It's hard. I will say it is very hard to, to have a routine in your day that involves thinking and creative thinking because it takes a lot of energy. Do you think your routine maybe is harder because you're now freelancing and so the routine of everyday quote unquote office work is not happening so you have to maintain your own similar routine? Yes, yes. I don't have to be anywhere any day usually, right? So it's all up to me. So you f- I feel like I have all this freedom, but I really don't. So I do have to structure it. And I talk to a lot of other freelancers and mostly creatives who have kind of pitched to me the idea of you should do creative thinking work in the morning because that's when your brain is the most awake. Um, And the afternoon is what you start to get drained and that's more where you should devote time to emails or checking off your task lists or maybe having meetings with people. So that has been helpful in that structuring my days like that. Does it work? Yeah, it is working right now. And also is really good to say, here's my rule, I don't talk to anyone before noon. Because if you don't, then your whole day could be sabotaged or hijacked by, you know, meeting or having calls with people because you're so open. Oh, I'm really open tomorrow. Like you choose a time. No, no, I need to choose the time slots. And that's something that I've learned in the past six months because setting your own routine is also, it's very challenging. How far along are you with your writing? So it's really interesting little animal, I'd say. Um, at first, I was trying to write an outline. I'm not an outline person. I'm going to be very clear about that. <laughs> Me neither. Okay. So I tried that, and I think that was helpful just to get thoughts out and maybe some chunks and themes. But I stopped that, and I said, let me just do really big chunks. So what, you know, what was life like before uh, dating and in that relationship that ended? And then what was the transition to dating? And here's some... I looked through all my dates. That was a whole research project of mine. Wow, that was hilarious. I printed them out and was reading them and really it felt like it wasn't even me. Like I was like, oh, that was me. I went on that date. That's pretty funny. Um, Or, oh, I remember that one and I'd forgotten about it. Very interesting to delve back into your your life like that. Um, And then doing like post post 100 dates project. So, I mean, page wise, page numbers wise, I mean, I probably have close to 100 pages, but... I mean, most of that's 
shit, I'm sure. <laughs> but I've learned not to judge. I fin- I read this interesting book called um, The Art of the Memoir. And she really breaks it down. She's a memoirist and she talks about, you know, what, not what you should do, but what she's learned. And she, her main takeaway for me, at least, was like, just write and see what comes out. Um, and the stories are the the key. So memories, great, and, and sort of exposition, but the stories are what's going to bring out whatever theme. So I am focusing on recapping the dates and how I felt around them and how I was affected by them and then seeing what comes out around that. Well, that's cool. I mean, it seems like you're taking, you know, either cues from friends or cues from books, right? So, you know, not all knowledgeable. Obviously, we gain information from everything around us. Um, How important is gathering that type of inspiration? Mm. It's, it's really helpful, but I think it can go too far for me. If I keep researching and reading and talking about doing this and not actually doing this, then that's where I get stuck. So that one book to read was great. I don't know if I'd read anymore. I think I need to keep writing and seeing what happens. And I don't, I think if I talk to more people, I might psych myself out which is probably why it's taken so long for me to start writing it because, you know, there's the whole situation of me even admitting, oh, I'm a writer because I write. And then if I'm not writing, am I not a writer or am I always a writer? You know, this is the internal struggle that always happens. So creative dilemma. Exactly. So I guess, yes, I've admitted I was a writer. I think last year I finally admitted it and I'm going to write and see what happens. Do you have a timeline? Um, by the end of this year, absolutely, I need a, a rough draft. And a then draft. I think I'll think about, because I actually don't even know what the steps are of actually writing a book. I mean, I know you can self-publish. I know you can get your own editor and do with this all yourself. I know you can send it off to publishing houses and see what they think. So I have no idea. And people have asked me that. And I'm like, let's not think about that right now. So by the end of this year, I need a, a, a first draft done. All right, and so so you're not even concerning yourself with all the extra things because that may deter you from... Yeah, it's too much. I can't handle that. <laughs> <laughs> One thing at a time. Yeah, that's actually, that's how I operate. A bit more short-term, sometimes in the moment. I mean, the fact that I'm even saying, you know, by the end of this year, that's a big deal for me to plan something out for a year. Right? What, yeah. do, what do we have, eight months to go? Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, no, it's great. And two of those months will be like wedding and honeymoon. Yeah, and I hope to do more writing during that. No, you're not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, I, I actually don't want to bring on. my computer. That's ridiculous. Honeymoon in Italy? You're going to bring be more writing? No, I shouldn't. First of all, you want, you're want you in a honeymoon not thinking about your 101st dates. You know what? Dates. I will. No, I know. <laughs> but like you said, the book is not just about right. that moment. It's about before that. It's a little bit about after that. The bliss that happens at the end. It's a good closer fairytale to ending. a book. It is. It is. Because people like that. And I have to admit, I've read a lot of women's memoirs and a lot of women who re- have written about dating. And, you know, you do like when things happen like that because you have hope for yourself. <laughs> so No, this is true. What risks do you see with this project or what rewards do you see with this project? Um, no human being will read this book. Or it will never even become a book. It'll just be longer blog posts that are my ramblings. Maybe, you know, some I'll have some grandkids and they can read it. I don't know. Are you okay with that? I have to be okay with it or else I wouldn't do it now. Right? I so I have hopes. I would like people to read it. I would I mean, I'll get it out there in some way, but it's I mean I I can't write it saying, Oh, this is the end goal that 
I'm going to get it out there and people will read it. But yeah, that is a risk because it's something to think about. Oh, you're putting all this time into this project. But I mean, that's how the blog started. I mean, I never thought that people that I didn't know would read it and people did and people gave me good feedback. And so that was very inspiring. So I'm, I'm, I'm writing on that. Riding the wave? Yeah, exactly. You got to do that. Yeah. Right. Otherwise you could, you'll be done tomorrow. And rewards are just, oh, I've, I've always wanted to write a book. So this really? could be it. Yeah, I have. But I just didn't think I had anything to say. Or, you know, I need to be older or I don't know if I can do it. Or I mean. Why did you have in your head you needed to be older? I always felt like people needed experience. And also, you know, I had a lot of friends who were English majors in college and became writers immediately or went to grad school right away and, you know, got their MFA in writing and, and they, they're, they're novelists and they write. So I never did that path. And I always thought, oh, if I don't, if I haven't done that, that, that I'm not legit. You know, it's the fraud, the fraud syndrome. Raw frauds. Exactly. And that's the big secret. <laughs> Anything that you've done recently that revolves around this that you're most proud of? I think just doing it and saying it to people. So there's a big deal for me to be saying it and sharing it. Sometimes I make comments on social media. I mean, that's rare, but I've been saying it to my friends and family and that it's out there. So I'm kind of planting the seeds. And I think if you say things out loud, you know, Oprah Winfrey style, like they'll come to you or, or it makes it, it makes, it, it, makes real. it real. It also holds me accountable. So I do want to talk about it. As scary as it is, the more I talk about it, the more I feel it is real. It's a thing. It's alive. And I'm feeding it. So when you when you sit down to write, are you analog, digital? It kind of changes. Yeah, it's not it's not always normal. I haven't actually written on paper in a while. I've been doing more um, looking at the so the dates are on paper. And then I refer to the website, the, the blog sometimes. And I just go into the document and I start typing. Now, I might have had thoughts uh, earlier in the week that I did like write down very quickly in a notebook as a theme or an essay to incorporate. But sometimes I, I just write free write on paper and then see what comes out and then transfer that. But for this book, I, yeah, I guess I've done more digital. More digital? I think, yeah, I think I write two different ways. Um, writing on paper is a different experience. And writing on the screen is different. So I guess, I don't know what, I can't even explain how they're different. I know they're different, you know, in terms of cognitively and how you learn and how you process information. So for me, it kind of just depends on the on the mood, I guess. Do you feel maybe paper is more freeing and kind of the digital is like, it's got to be somewhat yes, formalized? Yes, probably. Sometimes, yeah, I would say I write more note form or crazy random thoughts on paper and then say, oh, that could be something, pull it out and then make it into more of a paragraph essay. What kind of tools do you use? Basic, simple stuff? I'm writing in Google Docs. All Google? Why why do you, why Google? I do everything in Google. They have me by the balls. If I had balls, yeah. (laughs) I like it because also my computer is super old, so I'm not going to do anything on hard drives. Um, And I like it if... I need to reach it, you know, use stuff on another computer. I like the comment aspect. I like the the suggestive editing piece because sometimes I go back in and delete sentences, but I don't like the idea of deleting anything because I think I might use it later. So I'm always like moving sentences and words around and saying, oh, maybe, maybe I'll come back to that later. I know there's formal tools. I've heard that they're not that much different than Google Docs to write a book. So that's where I am right now. Oh. 
Interesting. You've now formally decided you're a writer. <laughs> yes, that's happened. Right? And you've, you've claimed that. We're now putting it out there that you're writing a book. You need to finish by the end of 2017, right? So now you have some type of deadlines. What advice would you give yourself, an early younger self? Mm. Don't judge yourself. And creating is doing. So I think in my younger years, I was doing a lot of thinking. And obviously, I talked to myself a lot of doing a lot of things. Oh, I'm not this. I'm not that. I can't do this. Just stop that. Try to kill that voice and just do. And by doing, you're already creating and you're some type of artist. And no one can take that away from you. Love it. Yeah. Put it on a bumper sticker. (laughs) Oh, my God. Bumper stickers. Works in process bumper stickers starting now. Um, so, so totally kind of random right now. Now we're, we're um, basically towards the end of this. And just what have you done, seen, or experienced lately that you would just like to share with our audience? Seems like a fun time. Mm-hmm. What's one thing you would like to share with other people about your process, your struggle, the way you work? I think it's important not to put pressure on yourself, especially if you're younger. Oh, I need to do this by this time. So for me, it took me, so I would be 39 in July, getting married at 39. Who cares? But I think when you're younger, you think, oh, I have to accomplish all these things and be in this kind of relationship and have this kind of job and live somewhere by X time. And none of that means anything. And experience matters, doing things matters, taking risks matter. And just going towards the things that you enjoy and trying to do those things more often. And, you know, I think it's taken me all these kind of years to figure that out. So I don't know. I don't think you can force this. And I think I've, I've talked to some younger people who put a lot of pressure on themselves. Oh, I'm 25. I need to do this. And I'm like, just no, you don't. Try new things. Fail. Learn. Keep going. You'll be fine. Um, and have fun. Would you change anything? I mean, I have to say no, right? Because you can't change anything. I'm not a look backwards person. I'm a, I'm a more in the moment and maybe look, like I said, maybe short term future. <laughs> That's who I am. Because I don't think anything good comes from that. Although a memoir is looking back and it's actually helpful to process. It helps you to know who you are now. Or that's what it's helping for me. So I'm happy I had those experiences to share and to analyze now. Well, I cannot wait to read your first draft, maybe Ooh, at the end maybe. of at the end of 2017. Um, this was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. I You're appreciate welcome. it. This is works in process. <laughs>